When President Lincoln issued a proclamation in the fall of 1863 calling Americans to set aside the last Thursday of November as a day of national thanksgiving, I'm sure that many, many people questioned the timing of that. 1863 had been one of the most difficult, violent, sorrowful years in the ongoing Civil War. Surely there were people who wondered if Lincoln was just oblivious to the gravity of the situation. Or maybe there were those who questioned his motives, thinking that maybe he was just attempting to gloss over something, draw attention away through some diversion that was meant to bring people's attention away from the true state of the Union at that time. But if you read the whole proclamation, you see that neither one of those things is true. Early on, Lincoln acknowledges that the nation, as he says, is in the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity. And then Lincoln goes on to urge all to persevere in prayer for those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife. So the question remains, how could a president call the entire nation to stop and give thanks at that moment in history? I suppose you could ask the same thing this week and almost any year when Thanksgiving comes around still as a national holiday. When the daily news cycle is filled with stories of abuse, harassment, violence, hatred, bigotry, greed, we too might say, is this really the time to stop and orient our lives toward gratitude? Shouldn't we wait until things are better when it's more clearly a reason to give thanks? For me, the answer to that is really cradled in that first reading today from Leviticus where we learned about a Jewish ritual called the offering of well-being, and also in that story that Luke tells about Jesus. You might remember from that first reading today that the thank offering mentioned in Leviticus was several times named as an offering of well-being. So when I looked up the Hebrew word for that, I noticed that it was from the same root as the Hebrew word for peace, which is shalom, which means wholeness or well-being or peace, all of those things together. So in essence, what Jews were doing through that practice of thanksgiving was connecting wholeness with thanks or gratitude with peace in the broadest sense of the word. And it didn't mean waiting for peace to come and then giving thanks. It was thanksgiving as a way into peace, a way into well-being, a way into wholeness. I don't know a lot about President Lincoln's spirituality, but I have to imagine that he looked at gratitude in a similar way. In his own deep longing, perhaps, for himself, but certainly for a very divided nation at that time. Lincoln must have looked at gratitude as an essential part of the healing process that was needed, a part of the journey into peace. 
And that seems to be what Jesus is also acknowledging and affirming in our gospel story today. When he looks at that one person who turned and came back and gave thanks and says to him, your faith has made you well. You may have heard that same phrase translated in other uh, English Bibles as you've grown up or even now. In some other translations in English, it's your faith has made you whole or your faith has saved you. That's because the Greek word here, like that word shalom in Hebrew, is a word that means salvation and wholeness and wellness. All of that is wrapped up together in that sense of, of salvation here. So I like that because instead of turning salvation into some spiritual prize that we get for being good or believing strongly enough when we die, this links salvation to well-being and wholeness and peace in the here and now. And I do think that's the point that Jesus is making when he turns to the person and says what he says. All 10 lepers were cured. They were all healed of their disease. But according to Jesus, only one was made whole. And it was the one who turned to give thanks. If I had only that story to go on, I probably would get the point of it. But I think I would also question its truth for our lives today. And I think I would even challenge, in many ways, that connection between gratitude and wholeness, given all of the struggles that I see people face in their lives. And in some cases, I might even see it as a clever diversion that was meant to draw people's attention away from the gravity of their own lives, the realities of the suffering or the hardship they face. But thankfully, I see and I hear the truth of that deep connection really almost every day, I would say, in my life. Just in the last 24 hours, I've gathered with grieving people at memorial services for Helen Wigstrom and for Carol Webbers. And I again experience the transformational power of gratitude in our lives. I saw again what happens when we come and even in our grief, we begin by saying, God of grace and glory, we give you thanks for this person that you have given to us to know and to love in our pilgrimage here on earth. And then come the stories, stories of a person's life that in every case are expressions of gratitude, expressions for what that person has meant to us and to others. The grief isn't erased in moments like that, but it is wrapped up in something so much bigger and stronger. It's the same thing that happens when we gather at a graveside in that moment for so many people of maybe deepest darkness. But every time we do that in our tradition, we begin with words from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless God's holy name. That's there because there has been, a, I think, a trust in our faith community for a long, long time that thanksgiving is a way into peace. 
And maybe that's why Paul uses the verb to be when talking about gratitude in that epistle reading today. You may have noticed that Paul used many, many verbs and was very specific about what we should do as people who are baptized into Christ. But at the center of it all, Paul simply says, be thankful. He's not telling people to ignore the hurt in their lives or in the world around them. I think instead Paul is simply calling them to go to that center of goodness, which is always present with God, which prevails at all times and in all places, and to dwell in that goodness day in and day out. When we come full circle back to this gospel story, we remember that this is, in fact, Jesus' own definition of faith. He could have said, your gratitude has made you well. But instead, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. So it seems for him, faith and gratitude are one and the same. Many followers of Jesus, then and in our time, have equated faith with believing the right things about him, or ascending to some sufficient level of knowledge about God, or adhering to some correct doctrine. But Jesus says here that faith is simply an outpouring of gratitude that comes from the heart of any person who recognizes that his or her life is a gift from God, and that every good gift we receive flows from that same divine source. So as we prepare for another National Day of Thanksgiving, it's clear that the circumstances in our lives are not perfect. Some of us actually are facing hardship, maybe even more so now than at times in the past. But also some of us are maybe at a very good place, a place of comfort and ease. And some of us are grieving and some are rejoicing, or maybe doing both. Some of us in this week that begins now are anxious and afraid, and some are feeling, I think, very happy and content. I can't begin to understand or to know where you are in that broad, broad road that we travel together. But I do know that giving thanks in all circumstances is a healing, life-giving force for every one of us. In his artfully worded Thanksgiving proclamation, President Lincoln offered a path to peace for those who were living with deep hurt, but also for those who were what, as he might have said, living with hearts that were hardened to the truth of their need for God. To these bounties which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source, Lincoln wrote, others have been added which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of God. If he had quoted Scripture, Lincoln might have also added the words of our psalm today that we sang and heard, which now draw us into this week of thanksgiving. 
Enter the gates of the Lord with thanksgiving, the psalmist says, and the courts with praise. Give thanks and bless God's holy name. Good indeed is the Lord, whose steadfast love is everlasting, whose faithfulness endures from age to age. Thanks be to God. Amen. <clears throat>